everybody, welcome back. I know, I know, intros are kind of lame, but bear with me for like 30 seconds. I have to set this episode up just a wee bit. This is another anthology episode. Three different but equally crazy stories all rolled into one convenient package. They have nothing to do with each other, but all have a unique bit of story to offer usually. Sound good? Right out of the gate, the first story I have for you is just a ridiculous read, albeit a rather short one. But hey, that just leaves us a little more time for the other two way crazier stories. This is far and away my new favorite episode format, so let's get on with the next Anthology of Weirdness. We are now in the sprawling metropolis of Ozark, Missouri. It is here among the miscellaneous and abundant flora and fauna that we zoom in on a man named Larry Shaw. This, by the way, is one of two stories involving two different Larrys. That was my hand hitting the desk. Ozark also looks like kind of a neat place to go visit. Nature is numerous and extremely varied in this part of the country, so if you're walking around outside, you might see any of the following. Spotted salamanders, eastern tiger salamanders, a bullfrog, an eastern gray tree frog, common snapping turtle, a fine-lined skink, 19 different species of snakes, 174 species of bird, including the hilariously named dick sissel and white-breasted nuthatch, Bobcats, foxes, muskrats, squirrels, beavers, butterflies, and bats are all common outdoor sightings in Missouri and the Ozark slash Osage regions. That sounds awesome. I know, right? There's also some caves you can go in, a couple of different theaters, an iguana restaurant, several little antique shops. Wait a minute. Go back. A what restaurant? An iguana restaurant. Okay, I don't know if they actually sell iguana, but it's called the Iguana Rojo. And let's be honest, I bet since it's the South, they probably just call it the Red Lizard because I don't speak no Mexican or some intolerant bullshit like that. Oh yeah, and it wouldn't really be Missouri without a gun range. You bet your ass there's a gun range you can go to here. And if this isn't the most American thing you can name a gun range, it's called the Sound of Freedom. My country tis of thee, y'all. Woo! Our friend Larry Shaw, though, isn't particularly interested in any of that shit because he's 88 years old, doesn't get out of the house much, and is sick and goddamn tired of his asshole roommate Kenny Barnes ordering him around and insulting him every hour of every day. To make matters worse, Kenny is also just 52 years old, 36 years younger than his geriatric housemate. How do these two even meet? That is a good question, but I have found nothing that can elaborate on the actual nature of their relationship. Were they lovers? Were they just roommates? Was it a quid pro quo, you scratch my back, I'll scratch yours living arrangement to keep either of them from being homeless? Or maybe Kenny was an estranged relative that overstayed his welcome? I mean, that seems like it could make the most sense, but I can't really confirm or deny, so it could literally be any of those, I guess. So why are we even talking about Larry? He was quite fed up with all of Kenny's abusive shenanigans. Over the past six or seven years, Kenny had been verbally abusing poor Larry, calling him names and just, you know, generally mistreating him. Larry had been contemplating what to do about Kenny for years and had finally had enough of this shit. I love it when an old man finally snaps. What did he do? He did the most old man getting revenge shit I've ever heard of and he has the mugshot to prove it. I will post pictures somewhere. Kenny told Larry to do some goddamn chores one morning like he always did. Larry, instead, quietly went upstairs grabbed a pistol, sat in his recliner, and waited. Whilst Kenny was downstairs doing Kenny things, Larry was upstairs sitting in his recliner chair, stroking the gun in his lap like a movie villain's cat. 
or my cat. She has zero concept of personal space and somehow takes up the entire bed despite weighing only nine pounds. Moving on. For some reason, the hiding place for the weapon was in between the couch cushions. You know, the place where you find lost treasures like loose change and old Game Boy cartridges from your childhood. I distinctly remember finding one of my original copies of Pokemon Blue digging through the old couch that we had years after I lost it. But for Kenny and Larry, that's just an extra gun safe. Kenny finally goes upstairs three hours later to check on Larry's chore progress, and as soon as he opens the door, BANG! The moment Kenny opens the door, Larry shoots him square in the middle of the chest, and he falls backwards outside of the door, stumbles his way downstairs and out of the house, where he is later found dead by the cops. Oh my god, he killed Kenny, yeah, 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 whatever, we all get it, but it's what happens after that really makes this story so interesting. Larry showed zero signs of remorse, I don't think we're all any surprised at that, and in his mugshot, he's making the most smug old man, I don't give a fuck anymore expression I've ever seen, and is quoted as saying he was kinda tickled that he shot Kenny, and was glad that he was dead, and if ever somehow given the opportunity, would love to just take a giant piss all over Kenny's grave. I'd piss on that headstone every day if I could. That old man is a complete savage. This happened uh, just a couple of years ago in 2021, but I can find no other information that isn't behind a ridiculous paywall. So I have no idea what the current fate of Larry is. As far as I know, he's still alive and in jail, and probably still pretty happy that Kenny's dead. There's even less information available about Kenny, but I honestly can't imagine he was very well-liked if he's consistently abusing an almost 90-year-old. Maybe Larry did the town a favor. I'll keep an eye out for any updates for future episodes, but that's all for this little introductory story. On to the next Larry! Okay, so I don't know what that weird buzzing was a second ago or how to fix it, but the next Larry we're going to be talking about is in my home state of Oklahoma which means we get to talk about some very true-to-character Oklahoma redneckery. This time, we're talking about Larry Sanders, not the basketball player and not the fake talk show host Larry Sanders, but Larry Doyle Sanders of Ada, Oklahoma, or at least probably very close to that. Based on this story, I don't think this guy was very well-traveled. If you don't know much about Oklahoma... Fishing is kind of a big deal as Oklahoma somehow has more miles of freshwater shoreline than the entire East Coast. Why does that matter? Because along the banks of the South Canadian River, Larry Doyle Sanders, age 53, is out noodling for catfish with his buddy Jimmy Knighton. Here's some fun fishing stuff if you didn't know. Noodling is when you go out and get on the water, find your catfish hole, put your hand up in there, wiggle your fingers around like these little worms or noodles, then you just wait for dinner to bite, and you grab that son of a bitch, yank his ass up out of the water, and god damn, that's a big-ass fish. We's eating good tonight. I gotta go get my fish scaler and get started. I ain't eaten since yesterday. So these two scholarly gentlemen are out fishing together when an argument ensues. Somehow, over the course of the afternoon, I guess the fish weren't biting too much, Larry discovers that Jimmy had a plan to have Larry killed. But not just any normal plan, like drowning him in the river, or hiring a hitman, or shooting him, or any of the normal criteria we tend to have on this show. No! This is a three-star Michelin-rated prime A5 Wagyu tomahawk and a giant actual shovel-sized serving platter of southern comfort food. Jimmy was going to have Larry eaten by a Sasquatch! What the fuck? You heard me right. Eaten. By. Sasquatch. 
I honestly can't think of a worse way to go out. Eaten by perhaps the most elusive cryptid ever in the middle of the woods in Oklahoma, which only ranks ninth for Bigfoot sightings. How did that even come up? They probably got into an argument about what the best attraction was at the annual Oklahoma Bigfoot Festival in Honobia. <laughs> Are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> I am absolutely not kidding you. That is the most amazing thing I have seen all week. They have a Bigfoot Festival. There's games, rides, kids stuff, food vendors, live music that I am desperately trying to find a lineup for, but the festival doesn't play, take place until October, so if I am able to find who's playing the Bigfoot Festival, I will absolutely keep that in mind and let you know for real. Dude, for real, we have to know who's playing. Who's headlining the Bigfoot Festival in Oklahoma? I have to fucking know. There's also a Bigfoot song for this festival that I might um, do a metal cover of later on, but let's get back to what Larry's up to. Larry discovers that Jimmy is planning on leaving him alone to die in the woods after being eaten by Sasquatch. Once the jig was up, Jimmy attempted to flee and leave Larry behind, but Larry wouldn't have any of it and started punching Jimmy and hitting him with a rather large stick that he found. Stick is a powerful weapon. Correct. What happens if the stick breaks? Now you have two sticks. You've doubled your offensive capabilities while simultaneously reducing your opponent, Jimmy's defensive capabilities, to near zero. This causes Jimmy to collapse to the ground due to an overdose of stick wounds and punches. Larry then climbs on top of him and chokes Jimmy to death before he can summon the vicious wood ape. Now, as you might have guessed, Larry isn't exactly the brightest when it comes to thinking ahead, and probably life in general. Police were alerted to a possible body after Larry blabbed to his daughter that he killed Jimmy like two days later. So daughter calls mother, mother calls police, police called upon available resources to go investigate Larry, and Larry confessed. He even hand drew a map of the area and pointed out the spot where he left Jimmy's body. He hand drew a Bigfoot murder map. Court date was set for July 26th of last year, I think, actually, but I'm not sure if there's been a verdict yet. He might just still be in jail. Pretty sure he's alive, though. But all this Oklahoma talk is making me miss my family a little bit, so I want to tell you a story about the last time I got to go visit everybody. Larry Sanders' story is over. He's still in jail, and Jimmy's dead, and that's all the article has to offer, and I don't know anymore, but I had to talk about possibly being eaten by a Bigfoot in Oklahoma before we go. So... Now for this other story. This is <laughs> this is one of my favorite stories to tell. I'm at my brother's house, hanging out on the front porch, and we're grilling stuff. The dog is running around in the yard, and the kids are doing whatever the hell they were doing out in the yard. I couldn't figure it out. On the porch is myself, my actual brother Mike, and his wife and her sister. We're all passing a joint back and forth because it's Christmas and Oklahoma's cool about it, so none of us are paying too much attention to the dog in the yard, Ava. I'm pretty baked at this point. I had been smoking all day and hadn't eaten yet, so I didn't notice Ava picking up something in the yard. My sister-in-law says something to the effect of, Ava, don't you dare bring that thing up here! She doesn't really sound like that. And you know how huskies are, they don't really listen that well. So, she, of course, brings the thing up on the porch and plops it right down in front of her feet. Cue screaming and dry heaving. Mike chirps up and says, You know what that is, little brother? Oh yeah, I'm the baby, by the way. And I said, You have to know that I do not. 
So Mike tells me the story about how his dog came into possession of an actual real elk foot in northwestern Oklahoma. Why does the geographic location matter? Because the last elk that lived in Oklahoma died around, uh, I don't know, 115 years ago, meaning that it's no longer a native species. Mike, how the fuck did your dog get an elk foot? Apparently, one of his buddies had gone out to the panhandle of Oklahoma. Stay away from there. It's just meth shacks, it's just meth shacks and sagebrush. And somehow either found a stray elk coming in from New Mexico or Colorado or wherever the fuck, but I'm pretty sure Mike's friend had it flown in from somewhere so he could hunt it, which is fucked up, then succeeded, brought it back home, butchered it in his own garage, and instead of using a tool like a normal person, friend looked at the elk foot lying on the table there, looked at his hands, which were rather large, looked back at the table, and decided, you know what? I think my best good friend Mike's dog needs a new chew toy. Then he breaks the elk foot off at the ankle with his bare hands and casually strolls over to Mike's cross street, waving an elk foot around in the air for all the neighbors to see to go give to his dog. And that's why I fucking love my family. Those are the kinds of crazy ass stories we get to tell. But the next crazy ass story I get to tell has to do with a guy that doesn't seem to love his family very much at all. We've been busy going all over the country today, so let's recap a little bit. Larry number one puts us in Missouri. Larry number two brought me back home to Oklahoma, which was fun because family is always entertaining. And now, I bet you're all excited, we get to talk about somebody not named Larry. Yay! Here also is my one shameless content creator self-promotion thing. If you have an Uncle Larry, you do. Leave me a review telling me about what makes your Uncle Larry such a character. But if you thought for a second... Only Larry's are capable of violently confusing degenerate redneck behavior. You've never been to Florida! It doesn't matter what your name is over there. Oh Jesus, what did Florida do this time? Well, here's the thing. I don't think it's actually Florida's fault a lot of the time. It's just such a romanticized destination for so many people that eventually those individuals with the determination to do insane shit are already there so they will eventually get in the paper someday. So if you're planning on moving to Florida one day, just know that you're probably gonna end up talking to a reporter about somebody at some point. Or maybe you wind up experimenting with dangerous drugs and talking to the police like our next guy, Colby Parker. This is in Deland, Florida, which is like 25 miles from Daytona Beach, so put yourself there mentally. I'd say also go ahead and apply your Florida spring break filter for the rest of this story because it'll make it seem a lot more believable. You know how pretty much anything is possible during SD and FL? Okay, context has been provided. Let me tell you a little bit about our subject, Colby Parker. He has pale white skin, long brown hair with much more volume than you'd probably initially expect for a man in Florida, and a giant tattoo that covers up nearly the entirety of his throat. Just a couple of years ago, March 13th, 2021, Colby got into a little altercation with his grandfather, Ronald Wells Sr. March 12th, 2021 is my soberversary, by the way. Some of you knew that already. The rest of you for sure know that now. And it's weird to think that 800-ish miles away, this was going on while my brain was reacquainting itself with itself. It's almost 7 p.m. on March 13th, 2021 police affidavit that I found says 18.4300 hours, so we'll just approximate to around 7 p.m. just as a general frame of reference for your mental picture. 
Colby and Grandpa Wells were chilling out and winding down for the evening smoking a bowl of weed. Colby would later say that the weed may have been laced with something which I'm going to choose to believe because otherwise this doesn't happen. The two got into a physical fight after smoking a bowl. That's not what just weed will do to you. Here's what weed does. It makes you feel content with whatever you're currently doing and to just be present in that moment. It doesn't turn you lazy. It's just that a lot of people like to smoke to relax and escape from life and be a lazy piece of shit for a while, and over time, your brain starts to associate weed with not doing anything productive. But if you're already a productive person anyway, and you smoke a joint, you're gonna be like 10 fucking times more productive. I got shit to do today? Let me load this bowl and get it done without any distractions, and while I'm enjoying doing all the tedious cleaning or whatever it is put it into reference for you. I produced this entire show by myself, all the characters, all the voices, all the music, except for that intro piano thing. I don't have to, I don't play piano, but I also work full-time job, like 50 hours a week. All my bills are up to date. I have a car, my own home, and I smoke er day. Weed doesn't turn you lazy. It makes lazy people lazy-er. So they start fighting, first verbally, then physically. Over the course of the smoke sesh, tempers must have turned sour because Colby began saying some very odd and scary things to his grandfather. He said he wanted him to be with his deceased grandmother, which is never a good thing to hear. That means violence is imminent. That means violence is around the corner. And around this corner was a baseball bat that Colby used to bash Grandpa in the head with a few times. Oh my god. And around the other corner was the kitchen, and in there Colby grabbed a butcher knife and stabbed Grandpa Wells repeatedly in the chest. What the fuck, Colby? Then Colby does another strange thing and calls the police. Wait, he calls them. When the police arrive to question Colby about why there's a dead man, things start getting weird, as if they weren't weird enough already. He claims that Grandpa Wells came at him with the knife first, but he was able to disarm him and use the weapon against him. See, it was all in self-defense. I found a police body cam video of this whole interaction, which I'll definitely leave a link to in the description if you want to watch it. It's on one of those sites where you can only watch it once and then you have to subscribe or some bullshit, but if that's the one thing that you use this website for, to, I would watch this video. It's, it's pretty good. Starts out normal enough. He's talking with several officers while sitting on the back of a truck tailgate. He lunges forward suddenly, and one of the officers tells him promptly to sit your ass back down while they radio around and talk about stuff. He says that he has a weapon on him, but they pat him down, and they feel don't feel anything in there, at least nothing that feels like a weapon. There's something in his pockets, but feels kind of soft, and it's probably not a weapon, so nothing really of any concern. Another officer comes back a few moments later and begins taking pictures of him, which he complies with. He looks like, at this point in the video, he's at least aware of his surroundings at this point. Like he holds his arm up because there's an injury of some kind on his forearm. Like, he knows that he's going to want to take a picture of that, so he just lifts that up. Like, he's, at this moment, cognizant. Keep in mind, he just brutally murdered his grandfather and then called the cops on himself. As the officer taking pictures is finishing up, Colby can be heard clear as day in the video asking the officer, Can I see your gun, bro? Can I see your gun, bro? There was a solid, like, eight seconds of silence that feels heavy, like, audible confusion, and the cop wearing the body cam says, I wasn't just hearing shit, was I? Can I see your gun, bro? Then there's several more minutes of silence while the officers wait on somebody else to arrive. I'm not sure whom the audio... Some of the audio is kind of... Can I see your gun, bro? It's, it's, 
loud as fuck outside at night. There's bugs and shit. It's just loud. There's a lot of background noise. So some of the audio is kind of muffled and hard to make out. So they're waiting on somebody, but then Colby jumps up real quick like he just remembered something super important. He quickly realizes he shouldn't do that and starts like stretching and running his fingers through his hair all nonchalant like mm, I didn't just accidentally implicate myself a little bit in front of two armed officers and then he's of course immediately asked to do me a favor and sit back down over there bud can I see your gun bro? then one of the officers asks about the knife why was the knife on the front porch? Colby says oh yeah yeah right 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 the knife right it's right over there it's right over there and he starts to get up to go walk away to go get it but no 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 sit back down sit back down you're not supposed to do that just go ahead and sit back down Body cam cop asks something. I think it was about if there was anybody else in the house, but it's loud outside and it's muffled and hard to make out. Other cop says there's an aggressive dog inside. I'll tell you what breed later on, but you already know what kind of dog it is. But he didn't see Junior anywhere and doesn't know where he is. The Junior we're talking about is Colby's uncle, Ronald Wells Jr., our victim's son. Upon hearing this question about Ronald, Junior, about where he is. Upon hearing this question, Colby jumps up and says, Oh, 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 yeah, okay, yeah. Ronnie and Ronnie Jr. are right here. And then he reaches into both of his front pockets and pulls something out from each of them. The very next thing the officers can be heard saying is, Those are ears. 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 He cut off his fucking grandpa's ears after taking a baseball bat to the head and stabbing him through the heart. What the fuck? You know what? I'm not done yet. I'm going to take a little souvenir to remember this like a soldier on tour in fucking Vietnam. What the fuck, man? And there's a lot more awkward silence after that, as you might imagine. He just pulled ears out of his fucking pockets. I got pocket ears, everybody. Officers ask again, is anybody else inside? Followed by Colby slapping his hands down on the bed of the truck, lunging forward toward the officer with the body cam, and a struggle breaks out. Colby reaches for the officer's gun and taser, starts punching, kicking, and headbutting them, which of course causes the other cops to tase him. And I, I love, <laughs> I love the way these are written. Sometimes in the affidavit it says, "quote redirect him to the ground." Colby is arrested for resisting arrest and assault and battery on two officers as well as a second-degree murder charge, but there's one other detail that I cannot forget to leave out. In the house itself, on the porch was the aluminum bat that had blood stains all over it and all around it. There was blood all over the kitchen, including the floor, the table, and the wood-handled knife on the table, which is all to be expected, but what they didn't expect to find is possibly the greatest murder detail ever. In Colby's bedroom, hanging on the wall, was a kitchen apron. Why is it in his bedroom and not in the kitchen? Fucking don't know. Might become apparent after I tell you what's on the apron. Attached to the apron were a pair of bloody plastic ears, like maybe a Mr. Potato Head piece, and on the apron itself, emblazoned right on the chest, it says, the family butcher. Get the fuck out of my life with that. No way. Sworn statement in the official record written by the cops who found it. I cannot make this shit up. This has to be the craziest goddamn thing we've ever talked about on this show. That's even crazier than the corpse wax lady or any of that wild Nazi shit in Oregon we talked about a while back. Oregon? It's Oregon, Matt. Chill, chill out. If you haven't heard that episode, go back and listen to it. It's called A Lazy Nazi Coward Murderer in Oregon. You can't miss it, and it's a fucking crazy story too, but not nearly as crazy as this. Where's Ronnie Jr.? Do you know where Ronnie Jr. is? Ronnie and Ronnie Jr. are right here. 
then produces actual human ears from his pockets! His fucking pockets! He put human ears in his pockets. I cannot get over that. Ears! What, what do I do with these now? Well, I have these. What do I do with these? These human ears. I just butchered off my human grandfather. Where do I put them? In your pocket? In my pocket. Perfect. I would have never thought of that. I'm glad I thought of it. Pocket ears is fucking amazing. <laughs> but not nearly as amazing as another longtime Florida resident that we've all come to know and love that could possibly have helped out with this whole situation. Are you a police officer responding to a domestic violence call? Is your suspect being belligerent, violent, or making obscenely inappropriate requests? Can I see your gun, bro? Is it taking way too long for backup to arrive at your location for assistance apprehending the suspect? If you answered yes to any of these questions or know somebody who could use a hand, you need to call Night Mechanic. Everybody should know by now that you can count on the Night Mechanic for anything. Replacing a brake light, changing your oil, refilling windshield wiper fluid, fixing up a propeller on an old prop plane, costume design, martial arts sensei for your kids. Night Mechanic is always expanding his seemingly endless array of valuable skills. He is now available to contract out for vigilante justice due to his unique skill set. His use in domestic affairs has been deemed immune to all litigation and investigation. If you need something done quickly, correctly, and completely discreetly, all you have to do is flash the universal Night Mechanic signal with your special Night Mechanic laser pointer. This will summon the Night Mechanic to your immediate location for assistance with literally any problem you might have. What are you waiting for? Is my problem bad enough to bother the Night Mechanic with? Get out of my testimony with that weak baby shit. Go call Night Mechanic now! Night Mechanic cannot legally be held responsible for any injuries, maiming, stabbing, shooting, robberies, misuse of police equipment, or any other misappropriation of expected societal outcomes, but you are not immune. Please use Night Mechanic responsibly. An aggressive and unexpected ad for what I'm basically calling the show's mascot now. Give it up for the Night Mechanic, everybody. That's all the story I have for you today, everybody. I really, really like doing episodes like this. I know I said that earlier, but it really is the most fun way to, uh, for me to do these. So uh, there's got to be another one, Volume 3, probably in another month or so. So look forward to that. As always, I'll leave links in the description in case any friends of the show want to show a little extra love. Otherwise, just fucking tell a couple people about the show and that'll be good enough for me. Eh, that's easy, right? Go listen to my second self and I. That guy's crazy and entertaining, but good enough. Whatever. As for next week's episode, I've already found it. While I was doing the research for this episode, I came across a serial killer I'd never heard of. Going to be a long-form episode. Hooray! And I'm honestly only doing it because of his name, which is, of course, you know, take a guess. I'll give you three, two, one. On the count of three, say what you're guessing his name is. It's Larry! I'll tell you more about Larry number three next Sunday. I'm pretty sure I can fit an episode into my schedule this week. I'm taking an extra day off of work. Woo! So be on the listen out for that. And until then, spread the legs about my show. I mean, spread the word about my show, and I'll get busy on the next one. Stay kind, everybody.